And so today we're going to begin a series of sermons uh, out of the Paul's uh, epistle to the Ephesians. And we're going to be looking over the next four weeks at these opening verses. Now, let me start this way. You know, some of us who are a little bit older realize life isn't easy. You know, when you start out, uh, you sometimes think you have all these great uh, expectations of what you think life is going to be. Then the older you get, you just find out that life doesn't always turn out the way you think it's going to turn out. And there's no question that all of us face difficulties and pain and heartbreak. And some of you in this room this morning have actually experienced great tragedies in your life. We go through hardships, unexpected losses, pain. We have disappointments. We have hurts. That's all part of living in this broken world. And listen, we shouldn't be surprised by it. Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. He didn't say you may. We see God's great scheme of things that, yes, we're in this broken world now, but better things are coming, greater things are coming with the new heavens and new earth come, and then all of that's going to be done away with forever, but that's not here yet. We're living in the now, and the now can be hard. And it's interesting that what really matters has to do with our focus. Because it's very, very easy if we focus on our troubles and difficulties to become absolutely overwhelmed and even leads to depression. We can be so filled with the complexities of life, the difficulties of life, and we begin to start focusing on those things, we become overwhelmed. Do you remember Peter when he was walking on the water? I mean, he was doing great as long as he had his eyes on Jesus but all of a sudden it says, but he saw the wind and the waves and what happened? He began to focus on those circumstances and you remember what happened? He began to sink and Jesus reaches out his hand and grabs him and don't you catch yourself doing that sometimes? We just get so overwhelmed and it's just like we are drowning. Now what, what's the difference? Is focus. Now let me come to Paul a minute. Where's Paul when he writes Ephesians? You remember this is one of the prison epistles. He's in prison. He very well could have been concentrating on the way he had been mistreated, that he had been put in prison for his faith. Very well, he could have gone there. But that's not where his mind goes. His mind goes to God. And he begins to focus. He begins to delight in God. And so he starts writing Ephesians, and it's as though he can't contain himself. In fact, the verses we're going to look at in the Greek, it's one long sentence. It's like he can't even put his pen down. He gets so excited when he starts thinking about all of these blessings. He's not focusing on the fact that he's in prison. He begins to look at God and see God for who God is and all of these incredible, enormous blessings that God has poured out upon us. And it led him to great joy as a result of that. So I want to read today this sentence, and I'm going to be reading it every week. Uh, we'll, we're going to break it out over the next four weeks, and it starts in verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> this is the Word of God. And listen carefully as I read it. 
And listen to how Paul can't stop talking about the blessings. This is God's word. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times will have been reached, their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under the head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Notice where Paul begins. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, let me be sure I make this point, because I'm going to make it every week. Let me tell you the danger The danger is to focus on the blessings and not the one who gives the blessings. Do you follow that? It's easy for us to get lost in all the blessings. Now, I don't want to minimize the blessings either. The blessings are incredible. The blessings are enormous as we begin to do them. But never forget that who it is who is the source of these blessings. And that's how Paul begins the sentence. The whole rest of the sentence depends upon that opening statement. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As he contemplates all these blessings, he lifts praise to God. It's like a doxology. So we're going to be looking in detail, but I want to say again, here's the point. Don't forget verse 3. Don't just go down to the blessings. Look at the one who blesses. Focus on him. And when we focus on him, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. When we focus on him, we will find incredible joy and peace. In fact, our hearts will be filled above our circumstances. They will be filled with an awareness of who God is. And we will begin to experience these blessings in new ways. So let me just lay out the four categories we're going to look at. Today I'm going to talk about the first order, which is in verses 4 to 6, which is that we have been chosen by God, the Father, 
Next week, we've been redeemed through Christ's blood. The third week, conformed to God's purpose and plan. And then the last week, we're sealed with God's grace. There's order to this. We've been chosen by God. I'm going to show you today God initiates it all. And then he gave the most incredible gift ever, the gift of his son who redeemed us with his blood. The father has loved us and accepted us. And he loved us so much he gave his son who would redeem us through his blood. And then once we have been redeemed, we become, become a part of God's family. We're adopted into the family. And God has this great purpose and plan. We'll look at it when we get to that third sermon. The purpose and plan that he has for our lives. And it's only then that we understand Romans 8, 28 in its fullness. That God causes all things to work together for good. You can't understand that if you don't see this big picture. So we'll focus on that. And then finally, that we've been sealed with God's spirit. <clears throat> we are safe and secure and nothing can rob us of all of these blessings that Paul is outlining for us here. They're guaranteed by God himself. Now, here's my first point I want to make and leave with you. Where's the focus here? The focus is on the one who blesses. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have to begin with that. <clears throat> now, I'm going to get a little technical. Because not only do we see that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, but the key to understanding this passage is found in a little phrase that's found in that first verse. And that little phrase is, look, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Look at the last two words, in Christ. You see that? In Christ. That becomes the key to understanding how we receive all of these blessings. All of these spiritual blessings are centered in Christ. They're realized in Christ. They all come from our relationship with Christ. And none of these blessings are possible apart from Christ. Christ is central, he's vital, he's necessary for us to receive all these blessings. And trust me, but you can go count it yourself. If you go through those verses I read nine times, you will find the phrase, in Christ, in him, in the one he loves. Nine times. It's central to understand. Theologians call this the mystical unions, sounds a little strange, doesn't it? The mystical union. And that mystical union is the relationship that we have when we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Let me read a quote from a book by Rankin Wilburn on the subject. Very interesting. He said, in all his letters, the apostle Paul never uses the word Christian. He never uses the word Christian. Rather, his most common descriptor for those who follow Christ is that they are in Christ. Being in Christ is the essence of Christian proclamation and experience. He says, Paul never used the word Christian. You remember the first time that uh, the word Christian was used was in Antioch later when the Antioch people talked about, called them Christians. Paul never used that word. But when he talked about those who were followers of Christ, he said they were in Christ. 
Now, let me try to walk. This is complicated, but it's critical. When it means that we are in this vital union with Christ, it means that all, every part of Christ's life has significance for us. Now, follow with me. In his death, we died. In his death, we died. I have been crucified with Christ. Remember the verse? Now, what does that mean? That old self, that old sinful self of ours was crucified with Christ in his death because we're in it. And in his resurrection, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In his resurrection, we too have been resurrected. In his life, we live. In his ascension, Paul will go over in the second chapter and says, not only has he made us alive, but he's raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Right now, we have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. It all comes from this vital union that we have with Christ. Now, here's the point, not to get too lost in the theology of this, but here's the point. This phrase in Christ refers to that vital, intimate, and spiritual union that exists between Christ and his people. Now, what does it mean in light of this passage? All of these blessings to which Paul describes in this passage depend upon our union with Christ and our relationship with him. Christ is central to them all. You have none of them apart from Christ. So the focus is on the one who blesses. And as we begin to look at all the blessings, yes, they're extravagant. And yes, we rejoice in the blessings. But never forget who it is who gives us the blessing. And remember that none of these blessings are possible apart from our union with Christ. Now, let's move to the first category of these blessings. Look at it in verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world so that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, I want to give you a look. This is fundamental to grasping the gospel. Fundamental. If you don't get this one, you miss the whole message of the gospel. And let me put it this way. The gospel, remember the word gospel, right? You remember what that word means? What? Good news, right? It's good news. Here's the gospel. Paul says in Romans 1 that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. It's the dynamite. That the word power in the Greek is the word dunamis that we get the word dynamite from. It's the dynamite of God for salvation. And what do we mean when we use the gospel? The gospel is not about what we do for God it's about what God does for us. Fundamental. Now, let me tell you why I'm taking time with this. Because one of the greatest enemies of the gospel is religion. Religion is about our efforts to earn God's favor. It's about our efforts to earn God's favor. I remember when I was uh, with a fellow who really 
took time. You, some of you have heard my story before. It was a life insurance uh, agent who called on me to talk to me about life insurance. And when he got through, he took time to talk to me about my faith. And he asked me two questions changed my life. The first question was, he said, if you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? Well, I didn't know that, but hoped I would. That was my answer. I hoped I would. I, I didn't like the alternative, you know, so I, I hoped I would. The second question he asked me, he said, suppose you did die today and you were to stand before God and God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Now, I'm a young man in my early 20s, and I'm thinking this. I said, his name was Bob Cunningham. I said, all right, Bob, I'm going to tell you. Uh, first of all, I go to church, and I did. You know, I'd been brought up to go to church. I went to church. My grandfather had taught me to tithe. Now, that put me way up here, right? I was tithing, you know. I didn't, didn't question that. My papa taught me, you know, everything belonged to God, and so you're supposed to, the first 10% is God's, and he just instilled that in me from the time I was a child, so, uh, you know, I always did that, so I was tithing. I was trying to be honest in my business. Uh, you know, I, I, I was trying to be a good husband. I went through all these things, you know, that I, I, I tried to live a, a, a good moral life. I went through all these things, and so Bob gets a little smile on his face, and he says, all those things are good, but you know what? That will never get you to heaven. Let me tell you why religion is the greatest enemy of the gospel, in my opinion. Because the average man on the street's religion is that God has sort of a big balance scale up in the sky, and we all know we do some wrong. But what we do is we feel like if we try to do good, we offset the bad, and hopefully, hopefully, we do enough good so that when we get to heaven, when the time comes, we're going to do more good than we did bad in our lives. Let me tell you the fundamental problem with that. We owe God too much. We owe God too much. I don't care how hard you tried in all of your life. It doesn't matter how hard you tried all of your life. You know what? You can never, ever earn the favor of God. The gospel turns that around. The gospel says it is God who initiates. It is God who loves us. It is God who takes the first step. And that's what Paul is saying here. You know, whenever you're down on yourself, I want you to remember who you are. Before God ever created the world, he chose you. You became the object of his love in the infinite, omniscient mind of God. You know what? He knew you before he ever made the world. And he said, so-and-so, you, you, you are the object of my love. And I'm going to make all of creation work so that in the end, you become my children so that I can lavish my love out on you. Are you understanding this this morning? How much you're loved? In love he predestined us. 
In love, he chose us before the foundation of the world. And we were chosen with a purpose in mind. I'll get to that in the third week. That we would be holy and blameless before him. And we'll come to that in weeks ahead. Well, I hope you see. Here's the point. All these spiritual blessings, what's the focus? We've got to look at the one who is the one who blesses us. And we have to remember all of these blessings only take place in Christ. And we have to see who initiates it. God first loved us, and he chose us before the foundation of the world. Now, I want to give you three takeaways as I come to an end here. Three takeaways. Here's the first one. It is very easy for us to get so overwhelmed with life that we lose sight of the enormous blessings that God has blessed us with. Right? You agree? And when this happens... We have to refocus. We have to look at the one who blesses us, who loves us with that infinite love, who took the first step, who initiated. And then look at this. You made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy. Where do we get joy? Look at it. You will fill me with joy where? You see, here's the issue again. Remember that joy is... Joy and happiness are two very different things. Happiness is, is about circumstances, okay? If you do something you, that I want you to do, you make me happy. If you don't, you make me unhappy, right? Joy is very different. Joy is that deep inward quality that comes when we delight in God for who God is and when we come into his presence, and when we come into his presence, we're filled with joy. This morning, I prayed early this morning that throughout the day as people hear this message, that as you come here, in the midst of your difficulties, that you would find an incredible joy because you've been with God. So when we face those times that we seem overwhelmed, refocus. Secondly, very quickly, all these blessings depend upon our union with Christ. We can have nothing without them. All of these blessings are appropriated to your life through Christ himself. He is central to everything. And then the third thing I want you to see, it is impossible for us to fully comprehend how much we are loved. In love, he predestined us as adoption. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Focus on the one who blesses and enjoy his presence and his amazing love as we pray. And this morning, Lord, I pray that you take these words and to those who may be overwhelmed, to those who may be discouraged, I pray this morning that you would remind us again of your amazing love to even think that we should gain an interest in the Savior's blood, that he died for me who caused his pain. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? And the only answer to that question is because you love us. You love us. Thank you for your love as we make this prayer in your precious name. Amen.